Okay, as we come back together, we are, um, we're just so glad you guys are here to join us for worship. And um, like uh, Pastor Garen was saying, that we're, uh, it's a little bit different service today. Some of the people uh, that are part of our church, they're already out there right now setting up um, the uh, Nisei Week booths. And so um, after the service is going to be very short. Um, normally, we'll be back to our, our normal worship service schedule next week. Um, but for today, it's a little bit different. We're not so much going to have a sermon that would be a normal sermon. Uh, we're just going to give some reflections. I think uh, we have a slide. Some biblical reflections on the Nisei Week Festival. We were out there yesterday um, from 11 to 4 p.m. We probably interacted with, I don't know, 400 people yesterday that came by our booth. There was just constantly people coming in. And uh, this is the last day of the festival. And traditionally, it's the busiest day of the festival. So however busy yesterday was, I think it will be even more busy today because the closing parade is today. And so we're going to have a real opportunity to be the light in the darkness. The um, There's probably, I didn't count, but in the JACC Plaza, there must have been about... 40 booths, and we are the only church that is out there representing the Lord. And so uh, we're going to do that well. And I thought for today, um, I just wanted to give us three uh, biblical reflections on why we're out there and uh, what what we should keep in mind as we are out there in terms of why the Lord has us uh, doing what we're doing. And so I'm going to pray for a moment, and then I'm going to give three biblical reflections on Nisi Week. And as you're listening to this, you want to be thinking, how is this um, equipping me, reminding me of the importance of my faith in a lost and broken world? How is this reminding me that the Lord has set me apart, called me his own, to be the light of the uh, light of the uh into the darkness and the salt of the earth. How is this reminding me of that, number one? And number two, how do I be equipped so that I am Christ's ambassador out there? How do we be equipped to, to be open to who the Lord is pointing out, who might be open, who he's drawing to himself? So let's pray, and then I will uh, just uh, go into a few re- quick reflections. Father, uh, may you bless this time that we, as your gathered people, to worship you this morning are also your gathered people to be sent out into the world. We want to be a people uh, like you prayed in the upper room, that we are um, in the world, but we are not of the world, but we are also sent into the world. And so, Lord, sanctify us now uh, with your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I want to give you three reflections to keep in mind to be reminded why we're out there as God's missionary people. And secondly, three, uh, some thoughts to keep in mind while we're out there. And so let's go to the first point here. Uh, number one, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a fool for Christ. And we have to understand that everyone in the world, is a fool. The only question that has to be answered is what type of fool are you? We're all fools. Unbelievers are fools. Even believers are supposed to be fools. 
So the question is, what type of fool are you and what for? Um, the Bible says that there are basically three types of fools in the world. The first type of fool is a fool for the world. The book of Proverbs says that unbelievers are fools. Unbelievers are fools because they mock God, they reject God, they reject his instruction. Book of Proverbs, book of Psalms says that all over the place. Most of the people that you interact with are fools. They mock God and they reject his instruction. Most of the people that we interact with in the plaza today um, are fools in God's eyes. Sorry, I think this connection is, if I put this here, is that the play? Probably lower in the pocket. Okay. Outside. Here on the, yeah, okay, perfect. So the first type of fool that scripture talks about is every unbeliever in God's eyes is a fool. There's a second type of fool that happens actually in the church. And in Galatians chapter 3, uh, Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, he said, you Galatians, and he's talking to believers now. He says, you Galatians, you guys are fools. You are believers who are fools, but in a bad way. And the reason why is because you have forgotten as believers that the gospel of Jesus Christ is gospel of grace. It's not a gospel of works and of the law. So you can even be in church and there can be foolish believers right next to you because they have forgotten the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a third type of fool that scripture talks about. And this is the one I want to read a scripture about in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, and this is the type of fool that you want to be. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 9 and 10, he said, For I think, he's talking about himself, I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. Verse 10, we are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. What is Paul saying here in verse 9 and 10? He is saying that when he looks at his own life, when he looks at the life of the other apostles, he says, we, God has chosen to take our lives, put it on display before the world. We are reviled. We are persecuted. We are tortured for the name of Christ. And we have become like the dregs of society. We have become foolish in the eyes of the world. But Paul says, but that's not really true, is it? What we really are is we are fools for Christ. And he says, God is using our life to make us look like fools so that other people can be esteemed as wise in Christ. Now, in this first point, I want to ask you a question. What type of fool are you? Because there's a lot of fools out there, and everyone is a fool, according to the Bible. Are you a fool who is foolish for the things of the world, a fool for your flesh, a a fool for the things of Satan out there? Most people will be that type of fool. Are you the type of fool who is in the church? And it's like, hey, I'm here, um, 
And yeah, it's great to have friends. It's great to have you know, a good time. Great to feel like we're doing some good in the world. But I really have forgotten the forgiveness, the grace, the goodness, the life of Jesus Christ. And there are, sometimes there are people in the church that are actual believers, but they're fools because they've forgotten the gospel. Or are you this third type of fool? And this is who we want to be. Everybody's a fool, okay? What type of fool are you? And the type of fool that Paul's talking about is he said, you know what? I'm willing to go out there. I'm willing to look stupid in the eyes of the world. I'm willing to suffer for Christ. I'm willing to go out there and say, my life belongs to Jesus. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, this is what you have to break through to. You have to break through and say in your mind, in, not everyone's Asian here, I get that, but in Asian cultures, there tends to be this mindset of we just don't want to lose face in crowd. We don't want to have shame in front of the crowd. We don't want to look bad in front of the crowd. That's not the gospel. And the gospel, whether you're black, white, Latino, Latina, Asian, whatever you are, is really about saying, who is willing to take their life and being willing to look foolish for the Lord? Okay? If you're a follower of Christ, it's not about having the most fulfilled life. If you're a follower of Christ, what the Lord is looking for is who's willing to go out and be my fool. Um, there is something that kept Paul going, a sense of um, spiritual peace, because even though his body was bruised and scarred and he had lost his reputation, many people had left him. Even false brethren had betrayed him. Even true, bre- true believers had left him. And he was working, and at the end of his life, so many people had deserted him. He'd written all through the Holy Spirit all of these books that became a lot of the New Testament. But I think for Paul, he could go forward and say, you know what? I may look foolish sitting in this dungeon waiting to be executed. I may look foolish having given up all the glory of the world that I had before I was a Christian. I may look foolish even the eyes of some Christians. But you know what? It's great. Because what I did was I realized everybody's a fool. And Paul would have said, everyone's a fool, but I was at least a fool for the right person, the right thing. And when you're a fool for Christ, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what have we done lately to make us look foolish in the name of Christ? I don't want you to be a Christian geek. I don't want you to be a Christian, like just a Christian fool for the wrong things, okay? But I want you to be, and Paul wants you to be, and the Lord wants you to be a fool for the things of the Lord. When was the last time in your Christian faith you said, I don't care. I really don't care anymore. I'm willing to go out there to look stupid for the Lord, but for the right reasons and in the right way. Okay. I, I was out there at Nisi Week yesterday, and you know, I said, you know, what's the best use of myself you know, at, at, the, uh, at the booth? And I said, um, the best use of me personally is I'm going to go to the front of the booth and I'm going to interact with, I'll be the first contact with the people. And, uh, you know, I was talking with um, a lot of people yesterday. And one of the people I uh, interacted with, this young family, they had a child. uh, The guy looked like he was in his late 20s, maybe 30 years old. And we just got to talking. Uh, He went to USC. I went to USC. Um, 
and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I've been to different churches. I was like, okay. And I, you know, I gave him a card. I told him about our ministries. And uh, he's, I, I looked at his shirt and I go, oh, those look like UCLA Bruin colors, you know, because, you know, you guys said you live in West LA. Did you go to UCLA? He goes, oh, no, it's part of my clothing brand. And I go, okay. And, um, and so we, we talked. He played the game and, you know, we gave him a card and then they left. And he came back about a half an hour later and he saw me there and he, he had a T-shirt in his hand. And he goes, um, hey, you know what? I, I run this clothing apparel company. Um, and what I decided to do today was I had a few of my T-shirts from my apparel company. And I was just giving some of them out to people that I felt were just kind people. And you know what? You're one of them. And I just go, and he handed me this package T-shirt that was part of his apparel company. And I go, you know, thank you. That's really kind of you. Um, and I looked at it. And it had, you know, on the tag, this big picture of him. And there are two women in bikinis next to it. And so I looked at it. I go, you know, uh, that's, well, that's very kind of you to give this. I'm not going to be wearing it, but, you know, that's what I was thinking. But, but thank you. You know, I didn't want to be rude. And so then he goes, you know what? I, I, I want to ask you a favor, you know, because I just want to give that to you. Can we take a, a picture together with you holding up the T-shirt? You know, you got to think fast in those moments, right? And so <laughs> I just immediately said, oh, you know what? As a pastor, I don't do endorsements, you know, but thank you very much. <laughs> and, um, but I appreciate the t-shirts, right? Because in my mind, my, my mind was working like a lightning bolt. I thought, if I do this, he's going to put it on his Instagram and whatever. And here's this pastor holding this t-shirt with women in bikinis, right? Promoting his brand. So I got out of that one. But um, I was walking away and I saw him. And I just go, that guy's a fool. <laughs> he's a true fool. Right, just interacting with this guy, and even though he's saying he's going to church, I'm going. You're a fool. I didn't say this to his face, but that's what I um, was thinking. And um, I was having this other conversation with uh, uh, Chris Karendang yesterday, and I said, you know what? I realized something in my ministry. It took me a long time to realize this. When I was in downtown Long Beach for ten, I, I ministered in downtown LA in like 1998, 1999, 2000. Or 2001. I was right in downtown LA doing ministry um, as part of a church down here. And so, um, and then I, I did ministry in downtown Long Beach for about 10 years and then, you know, City Bible Church. And it took me a long time to realize this. I was talking with Chris about this. I said, I always used to wonder why I have interacted with so many people throughout all of my ministry for 25 years that were like extremely broken that had some kind of trauma in their past, that um, just were so far away from the Lord or just they would make commitments to the Lord in one moment, one moment, and then in the next moment, it was like they never made that commitment. I was like, why? Is that just kind of the ministry that you've assigned to me, God? And the aha moment I came to is I realized that in part of my background growing up in church, I was exposed to a certain crowd where at least on the surface, maybe not underneath, but on the surface, it seems like your lives are great. You know, the, some of the church people I've been around, it's like, your lives look just so fat. You're like, you're so put together in a worldly metric as well as a kingdom metric. And then I have this ministry to so many people that are broken. But then I had this realization. I realized, no, some of the people I'd been around in the past, they were the exception. That's not how real life is for most of the people in this world. And the ministry that I was seeing was actually the real world. And it, what I was 
judging that by was not necessarily the real world. Um, and so once I came to that realization, I looked at that, I thought about that guy, I go, no, that, that's, that is truly where people are at today, this t-shirt company guy. And so it is important that we are out there, you guys. Are you willing to be a fool for Christ? Okay, I'm, I'm, when I interact with people, I'm, hey, I'm a pastor, I'm, I'm a Christian, uh, we'd love to pray for you and stuff. Do not be timid about this, okay? This is the real world of where people are at. And so the Lord will honor that. He will honor that. It may not mean all these people show up next week, but he will honor that because he is looking for people who are willing to be fools for Christ. You're a fool. What are you a fool for? All right, second point. Fragrance and stench. When we go out there later today, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. And we're going to pick this up in verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Um, Paul, in this passage, is going to talk about two types of people. Uh, we tend in our culture to separate people in categories of conservative, liberal, progressive, green, libertarian, um, alt-right, alt-left, socialist, anarchist. We tend to put people, rich, poor, we tend to put people in these categories today when we look at them. Okay, for Paul, he, he, as he interacted with people, he really just kind of divided it into two categories. And he said in verse 14 and following, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads, number one, the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Verse 15, uh, for we are the aroma of Christ uh, uh, to God among those who are being saved. That's the first first group of people. And secondly, and among those who are perishing, to one, a fragrance from death to death, that's the second group, to other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Um, verse And next verse, in verse um, 17. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. All right, what is Paul saying here? Verse 14 to verse 17. He is saying, when you're a Christian, uh, what happens to your soul is you now um, interact with people spiritually on a different level than if you weren't Christian. And the reason why is because you now have Christ in you. You now have the Holy Spirit in you. Whether you realize it or not, what is happening when you interact with people is you are coming across, you have a spiritual aroma to you. That's why he says that, um, verse 15, we are the aroma of Christ. Verse 14, we, are, uh, we spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. When you interact with people, um, Christ is in you. And as you go about your life following the righteousness of Christ, sharing about Christ, what's happening is that you become a spiritual aroma, a fragrance to people that God is drawing to himself. You may not realize it, 
But as you speak with people and you share about your life, about your faith, what God is actually doing is he is taking people across your workplace, Nisi Week Festival, and he is, you'll have, you'll be like a fragrance, like an aroma, like a perfume, like um, a cologne to them that smells really good. And they won't maybe even know it, realize what's happening, but they'll be drawn to you. Like, there's something about that guy. There's something about that woman. There's something about that kid that I like when they're talking. And, you know, you can kind of sense everyone has this ability to tell when people like you or not, when people at least are responsive to you in some way. Um, But he says there are other people where you're not the fragrance of life and the knowledge of him. You're not this pleasing aroma. You're the opposite. You're the stench of death to those who are perishing. And... This is very important to remember when we go out there. Because when we're talking with people, most people, you will come across as the stench of death. Okay? Now, they might come to our booth and say, oh, this is fun. It's fun to play this sushi game. It's nice crafts for my kids. That's cool. And if that's all it was, then you know, that's kind of neutral. It doesn't really matter much. But the minute you open up your mouth and say, uh, can we pray for you? You know, we're followers of Jesus Christ. We're a church. At that moment, one of two things is happening. You're either coming in the spiritual realm to them, and they're being drawn to you as a fragrance, or they're like, nah, see ya. Uh, I'm out of here. And you are actually becoming a stench of death to them. Every believer is a polarizing believer. There is no middle ground. You're either drawing people to yourself through Christ or you are being rejected by people. If you've ever smelled something that's dead, a dead mouse, dead animal, or even a dead it, body, it's, it's a terrible smell. You can't stand it. Most of the people we interact with out there, if, if they're just playing the games, they'll love us. Okay? But the minute you open up your mouth and point it to Christ, there's going to be a reaction there. Okay? Now, they may smile. But inside, what's happening is like, nah, forget it. Or they're saying, you know what, I might be you know, interested. And so when I go out there, I'm like just very upfront. I'm not obnoxious, okay? And I'm not out there with a bullhorn. But I'm like, hey, you know what, Falls of Christ, we'd love to have you come join us. Here are some of the events on the card and stuff. Um, and so you want to keep that in mind because God has some people he wants to draw to us and to himself, but many people will reject. I want to say just a quick thing uh, before we move on. If you go to Acts 17, when Paul gave his sermon to um, the Areopagus, he was speaking to Greek unbelievers. I want you to notice something. When Paul was in Athens in Acts 17, and he gave his famous sermon, notice the reaction. Uh, Verse 32 through 34. Now, this is after Paul gave his sermon. Now, when they heard the, of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed. Among those were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris and others with them. Notice that, verse 32 through 34. When you go in to these urban areas, like Paul was in Athens, when you go into these areas that are hardened from the gospel, most people mock you when you talk about the resurrection. Most people say, well, maybe I'll hear you again. There is only some who believe. And so 
we're out there. We are looking for the some, not the many. All right, and lastly for today, last point, purity, prayer, and proclaiming. Purity, prayer, and proclaiming. Um, When we go out there, the first step we want to do is we want to be purified by the Lord. Um, We're going to receive communion in a few moments, and this is where we come to the Lord's table, and we say, we remember you, Lord. As we do that, the Lord does a work in your heart. There's different views on communion. Our view on communion here at this church is the same as John Calvin. Um, There's a man, the, the short of it is this. Catholics believe that Christ becomes the elements. We don't, Protestants don't believe that. Lutherans believe that when you receive communion, Christ comes through the actual elements. We don't believe that. A guy named Ulrich Zwingli said that communion, this is a reformer, he said that communion is only a symbolic remembrance. We believe it's something more. We actually take the position of John Calvin in communion. What John Calvin said is not only is communion a remembrance, like the Lord said in the New Testament, but the Lord in some way, secondarily, works through the act of receiving communion. Jesus doesn't become the communion elements. He doesn't come through the communion elements, but it's more than just a symbolic ritualistic act. There is some act of grace that happens when you receive communion. I totally believe that. Why? Is because when you come to communion, you're coming to the Lord in prayer. You're coming to the Lord in confession. You're coming to the Lord in remembrance. How can the, not, how can the Lord not do a work in your heart through that? And so um, we need to come to communion right now in purity and say, Lord, cleanse me. The Lord can use a dirty tool. He'd rather use a clean one when we're out there. And so we're going to come. We're going to remember the Lord's death and resurrection through communion, his broken body, his shed blood for those of us who believe. And as you come to the Lord, examine your life, he will purify you through the work and life of Christ. Okay, so purity is one. Number two, uh, we're going to pray for our time as we go out there um, that the Lord would work, Lord would protect us, that the Lord would draw the people that he desires. And number three is we're going to go out there, we're going to proclaim. When we're out there, these are the two most important. If you're out there in the booth with us, okay, we're asking whatever we do, whatever we say, however we interact, um, we're saying that these are the two most important things that everyone does, whether you're at the children's table or at the Polaroid or the game booth. Number one, we want you to put on a City Bible Church button. Okay, so it's a constant reminder that whatever you're saying and whoever you are, you're representing the Lord's church. Okay, so that's number one. Just put it on your shirt. That's all we're asking. Number two, we're asking that everyone who comes to the booth, whether it's craft table, the, the game table, gets a card of our church. Okay, and on these cards, we print up some special cards where it has some major events, has the map of the church, the service time, etc. Everyone gets one of these wherever you're at in the booth. Um, you can offer to pray for them if you're in that area of the booth, but um, I think, and share your faith, you know, if you feel people are, the, you're being the fragrance of life to others, all right? So with that said, um, we're going to receive communion right now. We're going to close in a song of worship, and I want you to come to the Lord right now, and uh, the Bible says to examine yourself. As you do that, I'm going to read the scripture Um, from 1 Corinthians 11. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now.
going to read this, and then when you're ready, approach the communion table. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the blood, body, and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Then, and so eat of the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Approach the communion table and receive the elements. Take it back to your seat. And
Father, as we have come to you in this solemn moment of receiving the Lord's table, Lord, you have worked in our hearts to bring us back to being remembering our need for Christ, our need for his forgiveness, our need for his grace to do what we could not accomplish. Lord, we confess in this act that uh, our hearts are full of sinfulness. We confess in this act that, um, Lord, we need the life of Christ that we are not worthy of, but that you have given to us freely. Lord, may you give us the grace to live out of the righteousness and the holiness of our Lord. May you give us the grace to represent you in a way that is honoring to you, in a way that will uh, build up the church, in a way that will bring our lives not into conformity with the world, but to conformity to the character of Christ. And so, Lord, as we uh, observe this table, may the broken body of Christ that we've remembered through the bread and the shed blood of Christ that we've remembered through the juice wash over our spirits to purify it, Lord so that we may be responsive to the leading of the Spirit, no longer quenched and grieved in our souls, but rather to produce the fruit of the Spirit and having um, ourselves decrease so that He might increase in our lives, so that our eyes might be opened to the life of Christ in us. pray this in Jesus' name.